Hello and welcome to Enlightenmental Season 2, Episode 1. I've entitled this episode, Being That Kid. Did it start when I was younger? Because today we are talking about something quite heavy. And yeah, that's childhood mental health issues. Did anybody recognize it? Did they see it? Did they see us? Did they hear us? Maybe they didn't. Um, I'm going to have to ask you to forgive me for the quality of the audio that comes after my intro. Um, I was recording with a different medium than I usually do or usually use at the time I recorded that. And well, rather than do it again, I think I'm going to give you what I have and not delay it. But of course, from next week, we'll be back to our usual medium. And hopefully you'll be able to enjoy this episode anyway. Stay tuned. So, I'm back. It's been a long time. Um, I don't want to give you a long ass update on my life on blah blah blah. Um, I've been in a pretty difficult place, depression-wise, and yeah, I've been down to the bottom of the pit somewhere, and I'm back up again, and I thank God for therapy, (laughs) because that is what it is, having help, and having support is the most amazing thing in the world, and don't let anybody tell you that you can do this by yourself, because that creates this false impression that you you are responsible for doing something like that by yourself when actually nobody can get past this without help. You need somebody to pull you out of that pit. Anyway, I'm here today talking about something a little bit difficult. Um, First of all, an announcement. Um, I'm going to change enlightenment slightly. We are still going to be talking about enlightenment issues and definitely mental health issues because that's my thing. That's my shit. We already know me. Um, but I'm going to gear it and focus it on issues for, or mental health issues with the, looking through the lens of Christians specifically, because this is one place in particular that I feel and find that we do not deal with mental health or talk with, talk about mental health in an educated way. We do not deal with it properly. And it's even when we do, it's so rare, it's not widespread And there are so many misconceptions out there. So I feel like it's something we need to deal with. If you don't have the conversation, people don't learn anything. So this is what we're doing with Enlightenmental. Enlightenmental is all my guests that are non-religious are still welcome to stick around. Um, But just be aware that I will be talking about things with scripture and I will be mentioning my beliefs because I can't actually do life without living it with my beliefs, if that makes any sense. It's, It's not just religion to me it is my lifestyle so enjoy good afternoon good morning good evening whenever it is you're listening to this and welcome back to enlightenmental i'm gonna warn you now this is a bit heavy might be able to tell from the title, but this one is going to be heavy. I am talking about dealing with, as a parent, and having been parented by 
damage done by parents that did not acknowledge or deal with mental health issues. I'm talking about the experience of the child who at maybe 10 or 13, or maybe even 8, was saying things like, I'm depressed, I'm being negative, what do you have to be depressed about? Or depressed about? I'm talking about the kid who stood on the windowsill, looking down, thinking about jumping. I'm talking about the kid who looked at the kitchen knife and thought about plunging them into their abdomen or cutting themselves and maybe went through with it or maybe never did. I'm talking about the kid who looked at the pills and thought, I've heard that you can swallow lots of these and you could die. Maybe this will make the pain go away. If any of these scenarios or tons of different ones, similar or completely different, if you relate to any of these, then I'm talking about being that person who was really young, didn't know what depression was, maybe maybe had heard the word and thought, maybe this is the most accurate word to describe how I feel, and yet everybody thought you couldn't possibly be serious. You cried out for help, and yet you did not get that help. Having become a parent myself, I have never really observed any issues with my own children, but in daily life, when I realize how busy I can get and how, you know, how frustrated I can get with how hectic life is, sometimes you actually miss what your child is saying. Your child is saying words to you. Those words should mean something. However, they just go over your head. The significance of the words, the the depth and the meaning and what the what the words actually should indicate in context. Those, those things, you can miss them. And it's only having become a parent myself that I can see how people can miss what was going on with their child. However, that doesn't excuse it. It just makes me realize how human humans are. Human, human, how human parents are, perhaps. It is not easy to forgive a parent that didn't acknowledge, dismiss, or maybe completely denied your feelings, your, it's not just feelings, that's the thing, because depression isn't about your feelings. Sometimes depression is numbness. You don't feel anything. Because what your mind might be doing is suppressing it. Trying not to, I always use this analogy of There's a nail on the chair, you're hovering above the chair, you know you're going to have to eventually sit on that chair, but you don't want to sit on the nail, so you're just not going to deal with it, you're going to use your hands to hold yourself above the nail until your hands get tired, and then you have to sit on the nail, and then you'll feel the pain. That's the analogy I use, because it's so, it's a ridiculous and, what's the word I'm looking for, it's... It describes most accurately, you know, in my own opinion, what it's like to not deal with something immediately, but you know it's there. You put it in your periphery. You don't want to deal with it right now, but you know that those feelings are there because the chair is you. It's your own mind. So you cannot be separate from it. 
anyway, moving forward. I did say it was going to be heavy today. It can be hard to forgive a parent that said things along the lines of, you know, you're looking for attention. People don't seem to understand that something really is wrong until something really, really wrong happens. For example, people who have lost their lives, or children even, have taken their lives because the situation in their life at that moment was too much. I understand that once you have been, once you've become an adult, you realize that whatever the heck you went through when you were younger was nothing in comparison to what the heck life could throw at you when you get older. However, that child has not experienced that part of life yet, so they don't have that context. All that child has is the experience they are experiencing now. And if it's overwhelming for them in their capacity right then and there, then that is real. You have to understand that you are bigger, you are older, you've experienced more, so you have built up a certain resilience and a certain resistance to the things that will attack you in life. But a child has not. So when it comes to children's mental health, it is even so much more important that we listen to the words they use and understand what words a child shouldn't ever use. I was a verbose child. You can probably tell because of the way I speak now. I made very good friends with the thesaurus really early on in life. But the reason I did that was because I wanted to communicate effectively. And because I like the English language. I just, I love language in general. But communicating effectively for me means using the right word that means the right thing for this exact specific experience I'm having. So when I said the word depressed, because I, I remember flicking through the dictionary to try and figure out what word described how I felt. And the word depressed was defined in 1990 such and such just perfectly for what I was feeling. So I said that to whoever would hear me, grown, grown-ups that I trusted. And what I got in response was, you can't be depressed. What do you have to be depressed about? And in, in you know, in third person, I'm in, like, I'm not even standing there. Oh, she's looking for attention. In actual reality, I hated school. I was being bullied. I was struggling at school because at the time, I had a condition that was undiagnosed and I had no, nobody seemed to have noticed I had a condition that was kind of interfering with my education. You wouldn't know that there was anything like that going on unless you know me quite well. I've only in adulthood been diagnosed with that condition. But obviously it had a massive effect on my social interactions, on my, you know, education itself, like my the frustrations I had with not quite being able to finish things and so on and so forth. The experiences of a child going through whatever they're going through. When they say certain things, they are asking for help. They're calling out for help. And the people that they trust most, the people that they rely on the most to give them that help, sometimes fail them because they don't understand. Why have I said all of this? I'm saying it so that we can maybe touch the nail on the chair so that we can figure out what we can do to remove it. Instead of hovering above it, we need to sit down. Then we need to figure out how to remove that nail from the chair. We have to repair ourselves because our parents weren't able to figure that out at the time. If you're still here, I am very, very proud of you for having made it this far. When I say still here, like, obviously there are young children that, or people that, 
at a time where children didn't make it through because they just had no one or they felt like they had no one. You're here, which means you made it. And I'm proud of you for doing that. You should be proud of yourself. You shouldn't continue to bash yourself for feeling what you feel or thinking you're weak because you feel what you feel or because you're experiencing what you're experiencing. I won't go into the science of depression right now because it is a very scientific thing. So it's not it's not one of those things where you say, well, you can just stop feeling that way because feelings are fickle. No, it actually doesn't work that way. Depression isn't a feeling, neither is anxiety a feeling. We use those words in English and in conversation as though they are not also psychological terms. In psychology, they are actual conditions. And feeling a little bit anxious before going into an interview is not the same thing as feeling anxiety and not being able to leave your house. And feeling a little bit sad because somebody really, really, uh, I don't know, put you down a few minutes ago is really not the same thing as not feeling like you have a purpose in life constantly and wanting it to stop. They're very, very different things. How can we repair ourselves? Reaching out for help. Sometimes people fail us because they are human. Sometimes people don't understand us because, you know, we all interact with each other. The reason why you people listen to my um, to my, to my uh, podcast is because you can interact with me. Some people will listen to this and find me really annoying. You know what I mean? It's not because I'm a bad person or they're bad people. It's just that we don't interact well. So you can encounter people who you have reached out to for help, for example. Uh, you've actually gone to therapy or tried to get expert help, and your therapist has been a complete waste of your time. That can happen. Don't give up because your therapist was not the right person. Don't give up because someone you told in your life didn't quite understand what you were saying and didn't know how to deal. Don't stop reaching out and trying to find a way out of the pool that you're you're drowning in because other people haven't quite gotten it yet. Keep crying out. Keep making the noise you need to make. And keep looking for the right person to help you because there is someone out there that can help you. There may be someone, a few people that can help you. That's the most important thing. Never tell yourself that, oh, maybe this person who's putting down my feelings is right. Never tell yourself that either. Just because somebody didn't understand what you were saying doesn't make them suddenly right and, 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 and you know, permit you to dismiss your feelings. Just because they dismiss your feelings doesn't mean that you should dismiss them. The way our mind works is we respond, we first of all emo- respond emotionally to things. And of, of course we have some sort of a, you know, a reflex. We feel fear, so our re- our re- our reflex is to fly or fight. Fight or flight response. So we run away from the thing that is causing our fear or we fight it. We become aggressive towards it. But note that the first thing we did was feel something. I learned this from CBT. Um, which for those of you who don't know what CBT is cognitive behavioral therapy it's very very practical it tells you how to actually deal with what you're feeling with what you're experiencing to pick it apart and it's been the most amazing thing in my life because you you guys know I like like to think about things I like to unpick my thoughts but this kind of gives you the guidance to know exactly what not what to see but how to pick apart your thoughts 
instead of going around in circles, you have a logical way of dealing with it. So we start with the feeling. What are we feeling? Then we go to what does that mean to us? So I feel angry. So this happened, so I feel angry. What does it mean? Why do I feel angry? I'm feeling angry because I feel I feel dismissed. Why do I feel dismissed? What does that make me feel? Am I feeling am I feeling heart palpitations in my chest? Am I feeling a headache? Am I feeling what what do I feel on my physical self that indicates that something is wrong? feel something, you respond in a certain way, because it means something to us. We have interpreted that thing that has happened to us and how we felt about it in a certain way. When you start to unpick that, you realize that actually, is that thing true? Is it not? But that's, that's me going too far down the path of, of CBT. But CBT is one of the many ways that you can actually deal with things like depression and Anxiety. It's particularly good for anxiety because anxiety happens in loops. With depression, you kind of need counseling. Um, I'm not a, an expert by any means, which is why you need to actually speak to someone to figure out which one you need and which one would be best for you. Um, so, I have talked a lot today. We're talking about repairing ourselves. How do you repair yourself? Look for help. That's number one. Two, forgive. I don't mean you should have want if you had a toxic relationship with your parents i'm not saying go and make friends with your parents that's what i'm saying i'm saying let them go inside yourself so that you can set yourself free mostly because forgiveness is the most healing thing for us as humans it's complicated actually let me just leave that there because i don't want to we'd have to go down that path of talking about what things you can and can't forgive and so on and so forth but as a Christian I have found forgiveness to be a very healing thing it's hard but it is healing the process of trying to forgive is is healing for me because I set myself free when trying to do it even it's a battle that you go through and you overcome because at the end of the day when when you're unforgiving the other person doesn't know you're unforgiving it's that every time you hear their name, you feel the need to spit, <laughs> you know, or you remember something about them and you feel pain. You relive that pain every single time there's a memory of them. When you forgive, they can pop up on your screen and it's not like it's nothing, but it's, you're in a good place about it. You know what I mean? And if forgiving is too far to go, I don't, I'm not saying this is an overnight thing. I'm saying if forgiving is too hard then give yourself some closure and when I say closure closure doesn't always mean that the other person has to understand or acknowledge you because I've had there will be many experiences in life where you cannot get that kind of closure because sometimes people will never understand what they did to you They will never understand what they were, what they never did for you. They'll never understand, and you won't be able to make them understand. So that's not always what closure means. Closure means getting out of your system of things that are unsaid and feeling at peace with them. One of the things I find helps, and 
I am by no means being prescriptive about this. I'm just suggesting things that have worked for me. This is just from the perspective of someone who has experienced these things and is trying to help others with my perspective. There are many other ways that I will, that, you know, do these things that I have not mentioned, but always search for yourself to look for what will work for you. I find writing down or recording, maybe even a video, Jesus. Videos are, are deep, but let's, we'll go into that some other time. I find writing down what I really want to say to that person in its ugliness, in every single thing, how you felt, what that person did, what, how that, how that thing that that person did or didn't do made you feel, what effect it had on you. Write everything you want to tell them down. And you could seal it in an envelope and hide it somewhere, or you could burn it. It's out. You could read it to yourself. You could keep it, or I would really, really advocate getting rid of it. But, or you could. And this is not for closure. This is a, this is a separate thing. This is for helping yourself to heal in general. Write down all the things that you think of, think about yourself. I did this one time um, where I wrote down, I got a piece of paper, A4 paper, and I folded it in half, portrait-wise, and I wrote on the left-hand side all the things I thought about myself, all the things I felt, all these low, low, low things that I thought about myself, where how far I dragged myself down to. And at this point, I wasn't yet doing the who voices that thing. I just decided that I was going to debunk all these lies. And on the right-hand side, I, I read all these things that I'd written about myself. And then I decided I was going to write down the truth. This isn't true, and here's why. This also isn't true, and this is why. And with doing that activity, I was building myself up. You won't always believe those words you're writing on the right-hand side. And you might have to do this activity more than once. But the important thing about the activity is the fact that you are debunking the lies that the mind keeps telling you because it feels a certain way. Because what we tend to do is we like to be in control of things and we think that the world is fair. That's just how humanity, do how our brain works, you know? The world isn't fair. It should be, but it isn't, you know? A plus B, one plus two doesn't, one plus two does, doesn't always equal three. Somehow. Nobody knows why. There's probably a secret one in there that's hiding or a, a times two or raised to the power of zero that's somewhere there that ruins everything. But because we can't see everything, we don't realize that everything can't be fair. The point is there are too many factors in life for life to be fair. There are other people with their own feelings and their own motivations. And they quote-unquote ruin everything. <laughs> you think the world should be fair? And we want to be in control of things. So we try to take control of things that have negative effects on us. We want to see how we could have fixed the problem. Or how we are the reason this happened. So we can try and figure out how to not let it happen to us again. So we tell ourselves things like, well, if you wasn't so, if you weren't so dash, 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 then this would never have happened. If you weren't so dash, 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 we say so many things, so many ugly things to ourselves in our heads that we would never say to someone else. We're telling you, telling you that, this is what happened to me. This is how I feel. This is how I've been feeling. And this is why I can't move forward. You'd never say that to, a, to another person. So why would you say that to yourself? It's a thing that goes on in your head. And once you get it out on paper, 
or once you get it out of your system and hear it and hear how ugly it is, you can confront it. So you write the stuff on your on the right hand side that debunks all the stuff on the left hand side, and then I tore the paper in half. I took the stuff that was written on the left hand side and I burnt it. I ripped it up first, then I burnt it. <laughs> um, obviously in a safe place. Um, I did it outside and then I stumped it out afterwards. I poured water on it and stumped it out and all that. Made sure that it was absolutely fire safe. The other thing you need to do is just put it through a, thre- through a shredder. I love putting things through shredders. That's another thing. And that's a bit of humor there, but really, this is this has been... Therapy isn't always going to go see someone. And we don't always have to do just one type of therapy. We just need to look after ourselves over and over again, day in, day out. We need to look after ourselves. The same way you build a relationship by talking to that person frequently, you build a relationship with yourself by looking after yourself daily. Debunking all that rubbish that you've heard about yourself. Precipitating, pushing out everything that everybody ever told you that was a lie. So I've said, get help. Go talk to someone. And don't stop trying to talk to someone. If your therapist is rubbish, say, I would like to see someone else. Don't be afraid to do that. Because it's about you getting better. It's not about someone else ruining you. Refuse for people to continue to impose their negativity onto you and cause more damage in your experience, in your life experience. Get help. Forgive or get yourself some closure in a different way. And my third thing, (laughs) and this will sound silly to many, many people, try mindfulness. We'll talk more about mindfulness in a different episode, but try mindfulness. For anybody that's interested, I am not talking about Buddhist meditation, unless you're into that, but um, I'm actually just talking about slowing yourself right down and being in the present moment, as opposed to thinking about things. We will talk more about that in a different episode. I have talked long enough, and I really hope you have gained something from this episode. I wanted to say more when it came to the parents thing, but I thought that rather than making it a thing about myself exposing and expressing feelings I had about older people failing me when I was a child I would focus on how we can heal ourselves as adults but I will leave you with this for anybody who is a parent or who wants to one day be a parent or maybe will never be a parent but it's just nice to know listen The most important thing you can do for your child is listen to them. You've got to remember that that child isn't just a child, they're a person. And long after you stop existing, they will exist. To make sure we don't make broken people, we have to teach them how to hold themselves together. And how to bind themselves back together when they they need to. We need to build them up. And some of that, a big part of that, is invalidating who they think they are, validating the words that come from their mouth, trying to understand them. Then they will know what their value is. Then they will know what they deserve because they will know what things should be like. If we dismiss them, if we ignore them, if we forget them, if we put anything else above them to the extent that you barely know who your child is, Or maybe even just to the extent that you heard your child say something and 
he dismissed it like Charles was afraid of something and said, oh, don't be silly it's nothing to be afraid of that, that fear is real for that child you're telling them that their reality isn't real you're causing them to doubt themselves and yes that sounds ridiculous but you think about what it would feel like for you if somebody's telling you that you cannot see the lion standing in front of you that you can see the point to you is you need to get away because there's a lion standing in front of you but the person holding a gun is like oh don't be silly there's no lion there the person holding the gun that can kill the lion is telling you there's no lion there you either think you're going crazy or you will run away from them and the lion think about that when you think about child uh, uh, child rearing and your parenting and listen because they know a lot more than we think they know they're not just a little baby that you gave birth to yesterday they won't always be babies in fact from the moment they can communicate you then have the opportunity to see what really goes on in their minds and what they're really experiencing in the world that's a note for myself a note for you I hope you have enjoyed this episode next week we'll probably talk about meditation and mindfulness when I say meditation I really don't mean the whole yeah anyway let's not go into that (laughs) but yeah thank you for listening to my podcast this has been enlightenmental and take care of yourself and those you love bye now